morning. How are you guys doing today? Come on. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Good. I want to welcome everybody to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you that do not know me, I want to welcome everybody that's watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. We are two weeks down of our three-week, 21-day uh, time of prayer and fasting. Uh, come on, you, you, you can make it. Just one more week. You're doing awesome. Even if you fell off the wagon and ate 12 hamburgers, come on, you can jump back in this week. God's still got more for you uh, this week. And so, uh, man, I want to thank everybody that, that is doing the devotions uh, with us. Uh, and, and actually did them, man. It's been spectacular, uh, man. Every single person has just done a, a tremendous job on the devotions. Uh, if you want to join along, uh, just subscribe to our YouTube channel, and it's just easier uh, to find them that way. And uh, we might be uh, bringing out more content, uh, man. We just see that so many people are interacting and, and watching those videos. We might be doing a little bit more content, a, a podcast possibly coming up. Uh, maybe on a weekly weekly basis, just for more encouragement as a community, okay? Awesome. All right, we are in a series called Gather, and we're on part three. And uh, I'm just going to continue to reiterate this. I truly believe that more than ever, it is going to be important who you gather with this year and who you don't gather with. I, I, I believe that there's uh, a tremendous blessing this year that is going to be on your life uh, from who the people that you surround yourself with. And, and, and so I just want to continue and encourage you, uh, man, and, and let me just give you my agenda today. Let me just give you my agenda out front. My agenda for you today is to get connected in one of our small groups, okay? I'm just going to put it out there, okay? You, you see all the tables out there and the signups. That is my agenda for you today. And, um, let me, let me be honest with you. I wasn't really excited about preaching about that, okay? Because I'm like, Lord, I, I think they know they should come to church, right? Like, like Lord, I, I think they should know by now that they should get connected. And he said, no, my people lose the vision. My vision leaks, and, and we need to be reminded all of the time why we gather together. Why church, right? Because there's some times where you're just like, well, what am I doing this for? Why why, why am, I, am I dragging my kids to, to church and, 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 you know, fighting with my wife on the way to church? Come on, somebody, you know, why are we doing this every Sunday? And so we, we lose the vision sometimes. It just happens. We get distracted by life. And so I'm going to recast vision to us this morning. I'm going to get us excited about understanding why God gathers us, right? He's, he's gathered us this morning for a moment in time for a purpose and a plan. God's got a, a specific word that he wants to speak in our hearts and our minds right now in this moment. Amen. So this week, I had a dream this week, and I was in this fancy restaurant uh, with my son eating donuts. Come on, somebody. So the, the dreams of food are almost over. Come on. But I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be worth it. All across the nation this month, churches are fasting and praying. I'm telling you, man, like, this is, this is the moment, guys. This is the week. This is the service. 
that, that, that God is going to move. We've gotten the attention of God. That's what fasting and praying does. It gets the attention of God. And so, man, God wants to do a breakthrough right now, today. Do you believe it? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. This is your moment, God. That you picked this moment out of time for this group of people to hear this message right now, today. And so, God, I just pray that you'd open our hearts, open our minds. We bind and rebuke Satan right now in Jesus' name. Out of our hearts and minds, we, we, we rebuke the lies of the enemy right now. We cast them back to the pit of hell. Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds to your eternal word and the specific word that you have for us this morning. God, get me out of the way. None of me and all of you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. So I originally wasn't excited about this on Monday to preach on why God gathers us. Uh, but man, on Tuesday, God just began to stir me up and, and, and to start with what I feel is a, is a prophetic message, not just for our church, but uh, for our country. I, I believe that God is just beginning to, to stir up things in me for us, but also for, for the state of our country. Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So even during this time, people lost the vision of gathering together. People lost the vision of, of the corporate gathering and the small groups and homes. They, they lost the vision of it. And the, the writer of Hebrews is just reminding them, hey, let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so where I want to start off today is that last, that last phrase, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And what I want to, what I want to talk about for a moment this morning is this, this phrase of gather to return and return to gather. Gather to return and return to gather. Because we know that Jesus is returning for his church. And so he's gathering his people for his, his return. Now, we see the things that are happening in society and culture today. And, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, it's going to get worse. It, it's going to get worse. And you're like, Pastor, how can it get any worse than drag queens reading books to kindergartens. Oh, we could get worse. They could actually be teaching the class. Come on, somebody. Like, like, and guys, and I did a series last year, and I'm probably going to redo it again this year, just an updated version of Jesus and the end of the world, because we, we need to acknowledge that last phrase of that scripture that Jesus could be returning soon, and, and we could be in... in a seven-year cycle or a 14-year cycle of, of entering into the tribulation. And so what, what if today you knew you only had seven years left before G, the return of Jesus? How would you live your life? And, 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 we've, and because it's been over 2,000 years, we've lost the sense of urgency, right? Like that early church the Acts church had. They had this sense of urgency. And this is why they sold everything, 
right? And they lived together and they just gave to whoever needed and, and they met daily and they were, they were in prayer and they saw, you know, thousands of people coming to Christ almost every single day and, and, and people were added to their number. Miracles were, were happening and it's because they had this sense of urgency. Church, we need to get a sense of urgency again. We've, we've lost it. That sense of urgency, even thinking about Jesus, the return of Jesus. Guys, it's coming, okay? The one world currency is coming, okay? The one world government is going to happen. And, and, and what we can do, as, as, and listen to me, as a church, that, that gather, that return to gather and gather to return, as the world gets darker and darker and the, the culture gets worse, and worse, what happens with that is they become more and more hopeless, okay? When you hit rock bottom and you come to a place of hopelessness, there's only one place to turn. And that's the place where true hope reigns. And this is, here, here we go. This is what I believe is going to begin to happen across our nation and in our church. And we've already seen this happening. We've had so many people starting to give their life to Christ over the last three or four, four weeks. We've we had roughly around 22 people give their life to Christ over the last month or so. And what I believe, a movement that's going to happen. Because we, we look at that story, right? The, the prodigal is like, Dad, give me, give me my inheritance. I want the money. I want to live. I, I want to live this lavish lifestyle. I want to be popular. And then that became his identity. That's what he desired. That's what he wanted, right? And, and what ends up happening, he ends up in a bunch of poop. That's what happens when, when that is the focus of our, our life, money and popularity. We, we end up in a pile of poop. And what does he do? He returns back to the father's home. I believe, man, as the father, he, he's going to bring home his prodigals first. So church, do not stop praying for your lost loved ones, your lost co-workers, man, who were raised in the church. I believe that God is going to bring a prodigal wave across our land. The next thing that I think that I just really believe that God's going to do, he's going to return to gather. If we look at his, his other uh, famous story uh, of the sheep, right? The 99, right? He's got the community of the 99 and the one gets lost. The one runs away. What does Jesus do? Jesus goes and gets him. And he does what? He brings him back to the community. He brings him back to the community, right? He brings brings him back, and it's a lost sheep. And then I believe the second move of God that's going to happen across our land is lost people are going to return to God's house, maybe for the first time. And, and man, we've seen, and we're seeing this this year. Uh, over the last three or four weeks, man, we've had, man, uh, roughly around 22 people give their life to Jesus. So guys, we are, we are seeing God begin to stir things up especially in January as there's thousands of churches all across our nation today that are fasting and praying, saying, God, we need your attention. God, we need a move on this land. There's this return to gather and gather to return. And I believe there's going to be this movement, and we saw this even in our church this last year, of returning the tithe to the storehouse. Why is that so important? The reason why that is so important, because when you return the tithe, listen, you don't give the tithe, you don't give 
10% to God. God owns everything. And the sooner that you begin to understand that you don't own anything, that it's all God's, and he's just placed it in your hand to steward it. Look, my wife is not my wife. She is a daughter of the king. But I, God has entrusted me to steward her. Same with my boys. They're not my boys. They're God's. But God has entrusted me to steward them and raise them and disciple them. And so as God is asking for 10%, not to give it, but to return it because it's all his. And then when we do that, man, it breaks just the, the, just the power of greed off of our life. Man, Jesus says that, that this can be a master. Money can become a master. And so we need to squash that. And so we return really what is God. And we say, God, here's 10%. And what happens to that is, is it places our lives under an open heaven. It opens the floodgates of God over our life and over our church. God is beginning to do that. He opened the floodgates and he's just going to do more and more and more the more we get obedient and aligned with God's will. I believe this is the season that he's going to return to gather and gather to return. All right, here's my three points. That that didn't count in, in my preaching time. That was just the introduction. I got three reasons today, okay? Three reasons why God gathers us, okay? Three reasons why God gathers us. Number one, to make disciples. To make disciples. If you are a disciple, then you should be a disciple maker. If you consider yourself a disciple, what's a disciple, pastor? Someone that believes that the word of God is the inherent word of God. Every word of it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you're aligning your will with God's will. And you want to follow Jesus with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Okay, if that's you. Now, listen, if you're brand new to Christianity, your role is just to keep showing up. Okay, get into one of our growth tracks. All right, get into one of our growth tracks. We have a growth track today during second service, and it's upstairs. Uh, it's not downstairs. It's upstairs uh, uh, this morning. Get into our growth track, and then get into one of our foundations class and, and begin to learn and, and deepen your faith and begin to understand what you believe and be able to defend your faith, okay? And so that, that's your next step, and, and maybe you're new to Passionate Life Church today. Hey, just continue to hang out, continue to show up. Okay, God's got something amazing for your life. I'm talking about people that consider themselves disciples. And here's, here's the tension. Here's the struggle. Specifically in America, not really anywhere else. Okay, here's the issue with us is that we have churches all across the nation today that are just happy people show up and allow them to just sit in seats for years and years and years and literally do nothing. And so we have these spiritually obese people sitting in pews in chairs every single Sunday, and all they're doing is consuming, consuming, and consuming, and never pouring out. It, I, I don't understand. I don't understand this. Coming to God's house, right? This is ecclesia. You're, you're supposed to come into it to be a part, right? It's a body part. The Apostle Paul says, you're coming to be a body part, which is essential to the health of God's community. 
the mind, the thought of, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and, and not do anything and just show up once in a while. And and I know you're here, not for that reason. <laughs> because we allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Guys, we should love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, not condemning. Not, not the condemning that comes with Satan. I'm talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It says, Andrew, you're better than that. Come on, you fell down this week. You had a rough week, but get up. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. Come on, get up, walk, continue forward. Hey, you fall seven times, get up seven times. Keep moving forward. I got more for your life. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Guys, this is not a suggestion from Jesus. This is a command. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so, here, here we see Jesus commanding his disciples. And if you consider yourself a disciple, we need to be a disciple maker. And one of the easiest ways to, to disciple people is being in a community group, being in one of our life groups. And you don't have to lead a life group to help disciple people. Just you being in a life group and sharing your story, your life story disciples people, encourages people. Guys, as the world gets darker and darker, we need groups. They will be essential and necessary where you can come and get away from the things that are happening in our schools and in our workplaces and in our country. Just, man, get around some people that you can get encouraged by. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, as so a friend sharpens a friend. You... Iron can't sharpen itself. And when I think about iron, I, I think a sword. A sword needs to be sharpened. And you need friends on the same journey that you are to sharpen each other. That's called accountability. And I know that's a, that's a naughty word for some of you. Like, oh, accountability? We should love accountability. Godly accountability, man, makes us grow, makes us mature. And I have lots of accountability. I have several pastors in my life who, who have access to everything, can ask me any question they want at any time. We should love accountability. And maybe you're, you're, you're struggling today with, with certain things and, and uh, addiction or habit that, that's been hanging around for a real long time. Let me suggest something. Maybe your, your sword is dull. Maybe it's not even a sword. Maybe it's a butter knife. Come on. That's okay. That's okay. They say, yeah, I'm, I'm holding a butter knife right now and I'm struggling against the principalities and powers that are attacking my marriage and my life. Get into a group and get that sword sharpened. Come on, so you can be a warrior of God. So you can start 
tearing down the strongholds that Satan is trying to build up in your life. There is nothing better. Listen, young person, young people here today, you're kind of wondering what you should do with your life. Maybe you're in high school, maybe, maybe you're entering college, maybe you're just kind of in between. There's nothing greater that you can do with your life than build the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if you put the kingdom first, I'll add everything else to your life. There's nothing better for us to spend our time, our energy, our resources, our finances on than building the kingdom of God. My uh, grandfather, my grandfather, he's someone I uh, aspire to be. He, he passed away a couple years ago. Pastor Stanley uh, Thurber, uh, his, his story is very unique. His story is uh, amazing. Uh, he was in the Air Force, and I don't know if it, maybe the, the 50s or the 60s, and uh, he was very um, mechanically inclined. Uh, that attribute completely missed me, okay? Like... <laughs> Completely, I screw a light bulb and change some batteries, okay? Uh, but that just <laughs> missed me. Uh, very mechanically inclined, and, and the Air Force uh, offered him a position in California to be the lead airplane tech, to, to work on airplanes and fix them and train people. And uh, it, it came with a $100,000 salary, okay? And I think this was in the 50s. Uh, and, and today, that's like a million dollars right? Like getting a million dollar offer to move to California to be the lead airplane tech. And so if you can just kind of uh, think about that, uh, Pastor Stan uh, gave that up to go back to upstate New York uh, to marry uh, my grandmother and to start a small country church. And he led that church in obscurity for 42 years and he just loved that community so, so well. And I've never met anyone in my life that loved Jesus more than him. That was so filled with grace. He just loved people. And he didn't eat healthy. He was not healthy either. And uh, he had a heart attack. He had a heart attack. And he actually flatlined. And they don't know how long he, he, he was dead for. Uh, some, some doctors think maybe three or five minutes, even maybe up to seven minutes, he was, he was gone on the table. And the stories that he used to tell me about heaven will always be burnt into my memory forever. Just the colors and, and the beauty. And, and he said, as soon as he got there, there, there were all these sheep in the field. And, and he said, instantly, when you have a question in heaven, it's instantly answered. And all, he saw all of these sheep grazing on this, this beautiful pasture and, and just... There's, there's no shadows in heaven, so everything's in its purest form, every color, every, everything, and it's just, it's beyond, he, he kept saying, it's beyond our English language, how wonderful heaven is. And he said he felt this great presence behind him, love that he had never experienced on earth in his whole life. It was just, he was just surrounded by love, and he knew it was Jesus behind him. And he was getting ready to turn around. And the Lord said, you're not done yet. And then he felt the worst pain of his life. As he felt electricity go through his body 
as he opened his eyes, there was a doctor with the paddles. And he looked at that doctor. And he said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> but even after that moment, he was like, he sold everything. He just gave all of his money away. I mean, he did some unwise things, you know, like took a bunch of credit cards out and just gave all the money away to homeless people and missions and churches and just, and I was like, Grandpa, why did you do that? He goes, when you get a glimpse of heaven, there's nothing that compares on this earth. When you get a glimpse of heaven, it changes all of your perspective that we're here build God's kingdom and love his people as long as he allows us. My hope today is that you get a glimpse of heaven, that it would not, that it would motivate us to do more. It would motivate us to align ourselves with God's will like never before. Here's, here's the thing, as your pastor, I don't want you to stand before Jesus. Because guess what? We all stand before Jesus at some point in our life. Every single person. And you're trying to think of excuses why you didn't build God's kingdom. It's just, oh, I just didn't have time. Or, or, you know, kids had this and that. Here's the thing. We're, we're probably not even be able to speak when we stand before Almighty God. It's just presence. It's going to be so powerful. And everything that we do in this life, this short life, as, as Don and I, we, we get older and older, we're older we, we just realize, man, this life is but a vapor. It's going by so fast. This life goes by so quickly. We only have this moment in time to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Don't wait. Don't wait. Number two, the second reason why God gathers us to be publicly baptized. You're like, Pastor, that's, that's an interesting one. Publicly baptized. Baptism is meant to be done in the context of a gathering. Being baptized, it, 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 it's meant to be done in public in a community. Why? Because Okay, when, when we say the prayer at the end of the service, and every head bowed, every eye closed, raise your hand if you want uh, to make your personal declaration of faith and you do that, right? Awesome. That is a, a private experience that you're having with God. You're saying, I'm going to follow you. I believe who you are, and I'm going to follow you with my life. I believe that you forgive my sins, right? And I'm going to follow you. Your next step, your next step is to get baptized in water. Why? Because now you're going from private to public. It is your public acknowledgement to the world, not only physical world, but spiritual world, that you're not going back to that old person. You're not going back to that old life. As you go down in the water and you come up, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And... and what I believe happens when you get baptized 
the spirit of shame, the first level of shame breaks off of our lives because we're going public with our relationship with Jesus. We have this spiritual epidemic that's happening across our nation today. Statistically, 65% of American Christians don't believe that it's part of their faith to tell people about Jesus, to invite people to church. Guys, that is only an issue in America. That doesn't happen in India or China or Iraq, where you literally lose everything for going public with your relationship with Jesus. You lose everything, your family, your job, your finances, and possibly your life. Mark 8, 38, Jesus says this. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, which we're nailing that, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And so it's, it's, it's our first declaration. It's our public declaration to say, hey, I'm not ashamed to be a Jesus follower. I'm not ashamed to proclaim Jesus' name and that I am his. And when we see this, this story of Jesus getting baptized, we're like, well, kind of weird. Why did... Jesus needs to get baptized. He's, he's sinless. What happens when Jesus comes out of the water? We hear a voice from heaven. He said, this is my son who I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit ascends off of him. What happens in that moment? What happens in that moment is Jesus now, is his identity of being the Messiah is now proclaimed in public. So what happens to us in the physical world, why we, we gather together and do this corporately, as we come up out of the water, all of a sudden we have an identity change in that moment. We go from old sinner to brand new person of righteousness. Come on. We go from someone who was an eternal death. And as we come up, now we got eternal life. And we are proclaiming to the physical world and the spiritual world, which is just as important, that I am a son and daughter of the King. And that unworthiness that is inside of us falls into that water and stays in that water. Listen, if you're you're here today and I'm, 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 I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. Pastor, if you knew what I've done, listen. Nobody's worthy. The last person that was worthy, they, 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 they crucified him on a cross. Only Jesus makes us worthy. So if you're on the fence today, get baptized in water. Now listen, you don't need to continuously getting baptized. So I say, like, I should get baptized every month, right? No, you don't, you don't need to do that, right? You, you do it once, right? You make that proclamation, and then you live it out. You, you, you live it out. And, and that's why we, we repent of our sins, and, and then we have prayer time and response time here to get, to get right with God. And, and you, know, you don't need to get baptized every single month, but it's, it's an important next step for many of you that, that are struggling with unworthiness and shame and identity. Like, like this is a powerful moment in your spiritual journey with God that's important to go public and do it in a corporate gathering. This is why God gathers us, because it's a celebration. 
Come on, it's a celebration of gladness. And then here's this person that, that the church needs to gather around and help disciple, right? Like we should be excited during baptism. Oh man, here's another person to disciple. Here's another person God is calling home. Here's another person to be part of our church, to be part of our community so we can disciple. Man, I get to go on journey with that person. Number three, number three, third reason why God gathers us to take communion. Again, some of you are like, okay, it's kind of the weird one, pastor, to communion. Communion is designed to be done in a corporate gathering. It, it, it's designed to be done in a corporate gathering with your church. Acts 2.42 says this. All the believers, come on, let's go back to the Acts church. Well, how'd they do it? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> and to prayer. That's why we do it the first of every month, and we do it corporately, and we gather together, and we do it, and we don't do it out of religious obligation, but we do it out of remembrance. Listen, communion is so important to God. It is a big deal to the Lord. That, that we do this. Let, let's read 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through, 23 through 34. This is what the Apostle Paul is instructing the church of Corinthians. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Like, like this is directly, like, I received this from the Holy Spirit himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as we, we take that bread, right? We, we take that, that bread, what we're doing, it, 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 Jesus says, you remember what I went through. You, you remember the brokenness, the, the wounds that, that, that were on my back, right? Like remember my, my body that, that was ripped apart, torn apart. Remember it as, I, as we're eating. Remember what we can never forget what Jesus did for us. We never can forget that we could never accomplish what Jesus could accomplish with, with acts of service or, or whatever it is. Good thing, good things that we can do. No, no, no. Only Jesus could do that and he did it in his body. Let's continue. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after, after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So leave that up for a moment. Okay, so what is happening when we, we drink the juice and, and, and we, we eat the bread uh, the Apostle Paul says, we're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And so it's a very, it, it can be similar than baptism, but we're, we're going public with our belief. And that's why we do it corporately. As we eat the bread, we're saying, I believe Jesus' body was beaten and battered and torn apart from me. And I'm not ashamed. And when we do it public, I'm not ashamed what Jesus did for me. And I believe what he did for me. And as we, we drink the, the juice, what we're saying is I believe that the blood sacrifice that Jesus made set me free of sin. 
I believe that the blood sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross 2,000 years ago, years ago is enough for me. And then that blood covers my sin and it has set me free from sin and death. And now, because I believe these things, I can have eternal life with him. Let's continue. Let's look at the, the seriousness of, of taking uh, communion together. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And just examining yourself, allowing the Holy Spirit to examine your life. This is a great time to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to to forgive you, examining your life and, and, and what is happening in your life. He says, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, this isn't just a religious act that we do. This is something that we do that honors God publicly. For if we eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Let's continue. That is why many of you, look at this, are weak and sick and some have even died. Like this, is, this isn't just something that we do to check off our list. Well, I took communion this month, check, I'm a good Christian. No, 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 no. This is a public act. God gathers us together. This is your public act of saying, I believe what Jesus did for me some 2,000 years ago. He's the only one that can do it, and he did it for me, and he did it in his body, and he did it with his blood. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you what? Come on, there's that word. When you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. And so he's like, just don't do it by yourself. But like, let's do it together. Like corporately, there's, there's, just, there's just power and there's, there's blessing when we do these things on our own. And God gathers us, what? To disciple. God gathers us to, to get publicly baptized. And this is an important next step. God gathers us to take part in communion in the sacraments together. As we say publicly, I believe what Jesus did for me. I believe what he did on that cross 2,000 years ago. I never want to forget. Guys, we should never forget what he did for us on that cross. And we should never forget what he did three days later. And we should never forget what he told his disciples. Hey, you wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. And now, like never before, we have the Spirit of God inside of us, living in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is living in you and me. Come on, don't, don't delay today. Don't come up with excuses. Don't, guys, we need to corporately gather. And, and I'm not talking to people that, you know, have health issues and, and we have some elderly people that, that can't get here. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're, you're a healthy individual and you're just choosing not to put the corporate gathering 
first. You're, you're choosing not to be in a community group. God has more for your life. And, and, and that's, the, that's the whole underlining thing is that you've got a story to tell in that group. You've got encouraging words that God wants to use you to encourage other people in this church. You have gifts, you have talents, you have resources that God has called you by name to be here. He's he's drafted you. He's grafted you in to this church to be part of it, not just to be a a, a bench player or, or, or just an onlooker or just a fan. No, 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 no. There's no fans in the kingdom of God. There's no bench players in the kingdom of God. It doesn't, and an age does not matter to God. If you have breath in your lungs, God wants to use you for more. If you have breath in your lungs, God's like, oh, I got so much more for you. I want to use you. And it's, 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 it's Satan. He's coming against us. Every Sunday, he's coming against you. Some of you go, oh, yeah, pastor. We, me and my wife, we don't fight. Only on Sunday morning, on the way to church. Sometimes the kids come with two different shoes. You know what I'm saying? Throwing them into the car. That's all I know. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think weird things happen on, on, on community group day, small group day, right? Why is happening like at work and stuff? Because Satan does not want you to gather together. Because there's power, there's unity when we gather together. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, he's there. There's power and unity there. And I truly believe this year, it's going to be essential who you gather with and who you don't gather with. There's some people in your life that you need to let go. Not completely. I mean, you keep praying for them, but they're hurting you spiritually. And I believe God's going to speak to you and say, it's okay. It's okay to let them go and you can pray for them. You need to have healthy boundaries because God has more for your life. Some, Some of these people are literally holding you back from the will of God. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Father, we, we, we just thank you that you gathered us here at this moment. God, this is your moment. And we thank you, Hope, for that Holy Spirit. I just said, ask that every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus and I need to today. Or maybe you would say, Pastor, I've drifted from the truth and I need to make a re- recommitment to following you today and being a disciple of you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, just slip up your hand today. I just want to pray with you. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Just slip it up. This is between you and God. Come on. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And you, you can put your hand down. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask this morning that we would all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.